Hey besties, it's Juju, KP and TT. Tools down, time to chat work, life, well-being and relationships. And you're listening to Let's Take It Offline. Welcome to the Take It Offline podcast. We're excited to be here and ready to share with all our listeners. We're three young professionals in our late 20s and 30s and currently working at some of the largest companies in the world whilst navigating life in all its aspects. On this podcast, we'll be looking to talk all things top of mind for young professionals these days, or yo pros, from career, well-being, finance, dating, ambition, and most importantly, having fun whilst doing all of this. Okay, welcome back to a new episode of Let's Take It Offline. And this is the first episode of our Unmuted series where we have a really special guest, a dear friend of mine, to talk about her journey on starting a side hustle. So last episode, we talked about wanting to start a side hustle. And this week we have a guest in to talk about how she actually got started. Just a reminder that if the content resonates, leave us a comment on our socials, rate, subscribe, and share our podcast with your friends and family and colleagues, whoever it is. Make sure to listen all the way to the end for a little treat and surprise from us. Yeah, we usually start our podcast with a quick check-in. So... TT, how was your week this week? Yeah, very good. I feel like there's um, lots of events and things happening at the moment, networking drinks, end of year celebrations. But hey, I, I read today that um, Kanye and Kim finally settled their divorce and Kim is getting two, $200,000 child support a month. Oh, okay. That's like, I feel like that's more than a lot of people make in a whole year. Yeah. So um, that's her much, side how hustle. Much is, how much is um, Kanye getting? <laughs> He's not looking out for the kids. Yeah, that's that's her side hustle. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, you know, it's sad, but as, as the same, at the same time, I feel like it's a pretty good outcome. Yeah. How about you, Jules? I have been posting lots of stuff on TikTok if, you both have seen, I'm sure, but actually also been very busy at work. So I think that leading up to Christmas is just that funny time of year. So I'm just trying to close, close, close. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. And then I'll go on holiday in two weeks. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm jealous. What about about you, KP? Myself. I've actually, for a turn of events, I've had a a more chill week. Um, Very rare. Very rare. (laughs) Um, And also like talking about side hustles, I, um, I've just been working on um, planning my like yoga lessons because I'm starting to teach this Yay! month publicly. So I'm super excited. Um, and that's what I've been spending my time doing. And yeah, we might do a quick check-in with our guests. But before we do that, I'm going to just give you a bit of information about her. She's a very dear friend of mine, Sarah Hart. <laughs> yes. We met through a mutual friend a couple of years ago. In fact, it was like my flatmate that I met. I was lucky enough to meet Sarah. And um, she and I got along really well because we talked about side hustles all the time. And it's just super inspiring to actually see her go from a really great corporate career working at uh, one of the top 
like fang companies google to then discovering her passion in more of a well-being space and moving to an organization that was more in tune with her values and then eventually starting her own store and it's called the dharma store so welcome sarah yay thanks for having me ladies i'm very excited yeah did i get that did i welcome welcome did i did i capture everything or yeah i feel like that was perfect i feel like i've done a lot of things in my life so i feel like it'd be hard to to fit everything into one um so yeah no that was perfect yeah i thought that when we were talking about doing um, an episode on side hustles you and having a guest on it you were the first person i thought about because we talked about it so much and you actually went out to do it so we're keen to learn a lot more about firstly why and then um how and then what's in store for you in the future but before we do that we start off with some rapid fire questions to get to know you more beautiful yeah and then tt and jules you can play along too if you want (laughs) (laughs) first one is would you add tea or coffee coffee 100 percent. coffee tea for me not matcha matcha and coffee i can't decide (laughs) they're both good they're both good i feel like i know the answer to this one but cats or dogs dogs for sure come on i've got a dog i can't i can't i do actually have a cat as well because it's my partner's cat (laughs) but we haven't commingled them yet so maybe i'm the (laughs) stepmom tt no animals for tt no No, you know what i've been a bit of a convert recently. I feel like I can warm up to the idea of having a, a dog, but I don't know if I can have one by myself. So maybe later on. A podcast or books? Podcasts. Definitely. I'm, a, I'm an audio gal. Okay. Awesome. Um, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is one thing you can't live without? You know what? I was going to say my family, but <laughs> my first thought was bubble tea, which is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I have one here right now just to oh my god just to get That's... me through so I feel like bubble tea is like medicine to me like if I've got a headache if I'm tired if I need to smash out a bunch of work like wow. it cures everything mutual love for <laughs> bubble tea all right and what was the last thing you google searched oh maybe probably like how to show up well on a podcast <laughs> Something about podcasting, I'm sure. Very like practical. the researcher in me. All right, those are the rapid fire questions, just to know you a bit better. I think before we kick off with questions, maybe Sarah, you could just give a give a quick recap to tell our listeners like what you're what you're doing currently, and then yeah, we'll talk about your journey as well so far. Yeah, beautiful. So I. I'm quite a multi-passionate individual, which I'm sure you'll probably come to find when we start talking about side hustles and business ideas. And I'm actually in a little bit of a transition. So I've spent, yeah, the last, what, five, six years working in tech. I went from Google to Insight Timer, which is like a tech startup meditation app. And yeah, more recently, I actually was affected by the tech layoffs. So I was actually made redundant from that role, which I think was good and bad, like definitely definitely like a tough lesson, but I think it was kind of the universe's way of telling me to go in a different direction. Mm. So yeah, at the moment I run the Dharma store as a side hustle with my co-founder Jen, and I've recently started a new role as a support coach. So I work with a very, very successful business coach um, who works with a bunch of service-based businesses and teaches them everything about marketing and their funnels and how to scale their income online as well. So yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment. And then pretty much preparing to also 
focus on my own service-based business um, and probably go into like the business coaching strategy and marketing operations space. So yeah, lots of things. I love to have three or four things on the go. It's definitely, yeah, my type of personality to like to be challenged in a few different ways. So Sarah, that's an awesome journey. I think you've actually answered my first question already. I'm actually keen to understand like, how did you go through that thought process and decide, do you know what? I am actually going to walk away from these said corporate corporate handcuffs we do want to say handcuffs golden right? handcuffs yeah, handcuffs. handcuffs. yeah. yeah we were calling golden handcuffs before because we're we were all in sales but curious yeah. to see you know that point that kind of triggered you to go okay right this I, i'm leaving yeah it's it's a great question jules and i think <laughs> there's probably a bit of background to it um i feel like there probably wasn't one big like huge moment i think it was like a series of moments um, but yeah, I was at Google in total for about three years. I worked for yeah almost two years in my first role, which I absolutely loved, which was for the ads marketing team. And it was like mm. marketing and events based. So it was, yeah, putting on all of the events for all of the Google ads customers, um, which I loved. Like I loved the planning aspect, loved the creativity. I loved being able to travel around to the different places we were hosting events. But I think one thing I found, and I don't know if you ladies can relate or your listeners can relate, but I it got to a point where it wasn't enough. Like you get to this point sometimes with career where you're like, okay, I've conquered this and I've like checked this off the the list. And now I need, like, I need something else. I need more. Um, And I didn't really understand what that was at the time, but I think I, yeah, I'd worked a lot with our, um, our Google customer solutions teams, like the teams that would work with our ads customers. And I knew them really well and an opportunity kind of presented itself and I interviewed for it and I worked, yeah, went through all of the stages and ended up landing a role as a digital strategist in that GCS team. And at that point, I was so excited. I was like, yes, but I was kind of excited. I feel like for the wrong reasons, I was sort of like, yes, this is a step up in salary. It's a step up in shares and like status and like all of the things, right. That sometimes we think like this is success. And yeah, I was super excited, like went to Singapore, did the training, did everything, came back. And that was like, it was probably like February, March. And that was kind of in line in 2020 with when the pandemic started to hit and we started to shut down and we all started working from home as we remember and the lockdowns and the craziness. And um, it was quite interesting because I was loving it because I felt like I was just distracted. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I had all of the things, I had the trips and I had like the the, the events and the dinners and everything. And and when the pandemic hit and I was just working from home, I feel like it just stripped a heap of stuff away. And it was just me and the job, right? It's just you, your job, your career, and then your family, whoever you're living with. And I think it was at that point, which I realized, oh, this is actually not like, this is super misaligned to me as a person. Like for context, my background is in marketing. Like I'm definitely someone that loves, especially working in events previously. Like I love to work on one or two big things and be in the detail of it. Versus as we know with sales, like it's hustle. It's like, you know, getting 50 things done in like one hour and yeah, it's crazy. And the operational rigor you need, um, you can't be in the details. So, and I'm also actually not very, I don't love KPIs. I don't love being sort of benchmarked against people. Like that's actually not my style at all. Um, so when I found myself in a role where that was the benchmark for success and that's what was meant to drive us, you know, to do well and to hit targets, I kind of thought to myself, like, Sarah, what have you done? Um, In the sense of like, I felt, yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever, but I just felt like I was looking at it and I was like, on paper, this looks amazing. 
but internally I felt like misaligned. And Mm. I think that's something that lots of people go through, right? Because it's like we're taught like happiness equals success and success is like going to uni and getting a good job and that job being in big four or tech or corporate and stable income and, you know, a safe kind of area, sales or finance. Um, So it was kind of like weird to me because I was like, okay, on paper this ticks all the boxes, but internally I just feel anxious and stressed and like, I'm just pushing constantly like it's not easy. So yeah, that was kind of my first realization, I think. I'm I'm happy having goosebumps just listening to your story because yeah. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that and sometimes you just go for the next role as a distraction because you think you know well yeah more money more perks more responsibilities but at the end of the day I think we talked about in the last episode about starting a side hustle like starting with a why um why are you taking that next job why do you want to start a hustle um, because, you know, it's very easy to sign up to things. And then, as you said, like, keep rolling. What are, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, why did you do that? It, it, it's not what you want to do. Yeah, it's really easy, I think, to stay on the conveyor belt. Mm. It's it's mm-hmm. hard to, like, step off it, really. Um, and I guess, like, what actually, because we've had conversations around why you left Google in the end to go to Insight Timer, but I think that that's something you could share with the listeners like what made you decide to do that yeah 100 percent. i think to be honest like people ask if it was like hard or easy to leave google and i feel like my answer is it was both like it was really hard at the start because i was honestly thinking about all these reasons i should stay and all of them were like nothing to do with me like it was what will other people think like we're in the middle of the pandemic i was like you know everyone's like people are losing jobs like people are being made redundant and here i am in a you know, a very admired company with a safe role. And I'm thinking of, you know, jumping ship, like, you know, that's like not fair to other people. Um, and then as you, as you ladies say, like those golden handcuffs, right. It's like, Oh, what about all of my unvested chairs? Like that I could have that, you know, I should just stay for another short five years to get them all. Like, you know, I was everything I was, I was like thinking about to keep me there had like nothing to do with like my happiness, my values or like my well-being and I at this at this time like I got quite deep into like personal development because I felt really like far away from myself like I was kind of like how have you gotten here like this is very different to what you actually like to do and I actually kind of had this like light bulb moment where I realized that I was just stuck in a bit of a cycle which is kind of like we're trying to like get our happiness from like external validation like external status right it's I am my job and like when people ask you know what you do, who you are, you're like, oh, I work for Google, Amazon, Microsoft, whatever it is. And I think the biggest issue I had was like, because I was like trying to get it externally and I wasn't happy like internally with myself, nothing felt good enough. Like it was always like, what's the next thing? Like, what's the next promo? What's the next level I can get? Like if I move jobs, then I'll be happy. Or like if I move teams, then I'll be happy. If I get to level four, then I'll be happy. Um, And I just realized that it's just a cycle because I'm like just always looking for like external validation instead of like internal alignment. Um, And when I realized that, I feel like that made sense as to why I was just on the hamster wheel, right? Otherwise you just keep going and you, you get that promotion, you get that level up, but you get it and you're happy for like a couple of weeks or like two months. And then you're like, okay, I feel empty again. I need to do something else to like distract myself. So that was like a huge realization for me. And I think once I realized that, I completely changed my like mindset around it. And I just realized like, I am taking this step for me for the first time. I'm not worrying about what friends think, colleague thinks, like colleagues think, 
what my family thinks. Um, like I'm doing what's right for me and I want to do something that I actually enjoy doing and that I thrive in and that my skill set like lends itself to. And once I had that realization, it became a lot easier because I just stopped people pleasing and like worrying about everyone else um, and just kind of put me and like what I felt would be best for like my mental health first. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the process of it. Didn't make it any less hard to tell like the team and to have people, you know, ask questions, but once I did it and once like the day I left, I was so sad. I was like, Oh, free food. And like, I put my, you know, my badge back. <laughs> right. And then literally the next day I felt so free. I felt 10 times lighter. And I think it's because I just stopped pushing and I just felt so much more aligned. Yeah, we've spoken about free food in one of our, I think our second or third episode on, you know, tech companies that do feed you for free. But things that I was really keen to to understand their series, obviously you were working, right, um, at the same time. Like how did you then decide to kickstart your side hustle? Did you do it while you were working or like how did you go about it? Yeah, well, I think while I was at Google, I always have a business idea. Like my, I was going to say partner, my my now husband, literally he has like two to three different business ideas, like probably a day. It's just one of my favorite <laughs> things to talk about. And while I was at Google, I thought about it a lot because I think, I think this resonates for a lot of people. Like if you aren't in like a super aligned role, you're like, okay, I want to try and have another outlet that like lights me up and is like a little bit more yeah, a little bit more suited to like my skill set and my passion. Like, so I think I started to think about that and I was, I'm was and still am quite passionate about like mental health and wellness and like personal development. So I remember on Sundays, sometimes like when a few of our friends would have like little business incubators where we would just talk about like different ideas, like dropped, like our friends drop shipping business. And I had a few ideas while. Yeah. At one point you were doing ear seeds. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a good, I might bring them back. Um, it was a good reminder. But yeah, I thought about ear seeds, which I don't know if you ladies have ever seen them, but they're basically based off like auricular therapy, which is then based off like like traditional Chinese medicine. And it's putting these gold-plated seeds at different points of your ear and they kind of correspond to different parts of the body and can help with stress, anxiety, you know, reset, detox, whatever, whatever your heart desires. Um, so I did a few things at Google, but to be honest, I think I didn't have the mental capacity to follow through with it at that point. Um, and that was, yeah, you know, when you're just drained and on the weekends, you just want to sleep and, you know, get back to hundred percent so you can start the week again. So I thought about things, nothing really eventuated. And it wasn't until I moved to Insight Timer, which was kind of like my next conscious career step that I, I properly started to like, think about it. Like I got a co-founder, like my beautiful friend, Jen, and that's where like the ball started rolling, I think. And then came the Dharma store, right? Yes. Tell us a bit more about a Dharma store. Yeah. So the Dharma store, like our ethos is basically that we are an e-commerce company focused on making well-being products for busy modern day people. Um, so like our first product are these like self-heating eye masks. Like they're kind of quite magical. Like when you open them, mm-hmm. the reaction to oxygen triggers like this cool little heating process and they heat up to like 45 degrees, 40, 45 degrees. And they last for about 35 minutes. And they release a bit of steam. They've got lavender essential oils. So they're kind of designed to be like used whenever you need it and wherever you are. And I think that's something, as you guys will know, like we're all busy. Like we don't have time for like, I don't know, another like, yeah, like 10 minute gua sha or like jade roller. So that was kind of our idea. 
Yeah. I need some now. Well, I <laughs> I have to um, I have to admit that I did get some samples, um, and uh, I I tried the hidden eye mask on, and I literally fell asleep within thirty seconds. It, it it did work so well on me. Um, so yeah, we need to get you some jewels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Sarah, just to give you two seconds of my history. I once upon a time was a makeup artist, like probably ten. 10 years ago, maybe even longer. So anything related to beauty, I'm always up for trying. So feel free to send me stuff to sample. <laughs> I am here for you. <laughs> I'll, I'll hook you up with some of the good tools. <laughs> and to our listeners, we're also going to hook you up with some surprise as well. So stay to the end of this podcast. I'm, I'm actually now interested to hear about like, you know, like you started the Dharma store and then, you know, you felt 10 times lighter, you're in flow because you're actually following something that you're passionate about. And this is like kind of like your calling, but I'm sure there's so many challenges along the way when you first started it, right? Um, can you tell us a bit more about like how you, you know, find the right product? Did you try any other side hustles before you got into the Dharma store? Yeah, just just take us through that journey. Yeah, definitely. I think it was the trickiest thing I think with starting the side hustle is having like the time and energy to put into it. So mm. it's like the Dharma store originated out of um, my time at Insight Timer. Um, that's where I met my co-founder, Jen. So I think that made it easier because we could finish work and then sort of jump on after hours um, or we could jump on in a lunch break and start like chatting things through. Um, and that probably makes it easier because otherwise when you work full time, like you're finished after work, like you just want to relax. You don't want to be on another zoom call. Um, so that made it much easier. Sarah, we can relate, right? Because we're doing the same thing right now with the podcast is trying to squeeze it in whenever we can after work on the weekend. So, you know, it's, it's similar in that, um, essence, but you know, what were some of the other challenges besides time? like capital, you know, what, what, what did you have to think about in terms of starting um, the Dharma store? Yeah, great question. I think there's so much to consider, like when you're starting, I think the biggest learning curve for us was one, figuring out what the right product was. And then two was like, how do we actually get this product? Like who makes it? How do we find manufacturers? Mm. Um, how do we find people that like aren't going to, I guess not, not scam us, but I guess take advantage of us as being like two young female like entrepreneurs in training. Um, so that was probably the biggest part. And I think at the time I was, I actually did like an e-commerce course, like a business course, which I thought was quite helpful. And that was specific to like, it had some like templates of like, this is how you reach out to people. This is how like on Alibaba and AliExpress, which are like kind of the two biggest um, manufacturers. What's this course called? It was the founder start and scale e-commerce course. Oh, I have that. I that's the one I spoke about from Rettle Van Reel. So yeah, it, was, it wasn't cheap, but we're doing a few free plucks for that course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we can get like a discount code? <laughs> Greta, Greta, can you hit us up, please? Greta, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, I've got a question for you, Sarah. Is that like I think when people think about side hustles, it's not just say how much time should I invest, but how did like you decide how much money you were going to put into it too? Like, was that at all a consideration that you thought about? Like, or did you cap yourself to like certain limit that you would spend and invest? Yeah. Money is a big one. I think that's like the biggest barrier to like most people starting, right? It's like, I'm investing this money and I'm taking a risk and I don't know if I'll get it back um, or if I'll lose it. And I think for us, 
that was definitely a big part of it. I don't think we had like a certain figure where we were like, we don't want to go over X amount, but it was definitely like part of the thinking process, right? So like when we were looking at products, like we would look at specific like manufacturers that would do lower MOQs, like minimum order quantities, because we knew we didn't want to start with 10,000 of something and then, you know, invest 15, $20,000 of our money without having like validating our idea. So that was a huge one as well. I think also in that, like shipping is actually like quite a big deal as well. Like obviously just bearing in mind, like the cost to ship to a customer, but then also to ship your goods in bulk, like on pallets from China or India or wherever your manufacturer is to here. So that was something we wanted to think about as well. Like we didn't want something that was cheap and giant um, that would cost a lot more for shipping and yeah, like both ways, I guess. Uh, so yeah, we didn't really have like a specific figure, but what we landed on was like, as in, as a general idea is we want a wellness product. We want it to be light and small. So it's easier to kind of ship high volume to us. Um, it also makes it cheaper to do, um, instead of like shipping freight, like freight by air, which is like much, much quicker. And yeah, we were thinking of somewhere where it's like, we want, we want a manufacturer that's been in the business for a long time and has like proven results and, um, you know, has tested everything and has everything kind of like approved, but yeah, like the, I guess like that was the, the biggest thing for us is just like, we didn't want it to be 10,000. I think our MOQs, we did 600. So we had 600 boxes as our first order so that we could kind of test it, validate, and then whatever we make, reinvest it in the business. And um, capital aside, you're also taking a really big pay cut, right? To be able to fully focus on this, or we, we know that you also do a few other things as well. Um, and this is not the only business you're working on, but how do you deal with that, you know, aspect of less income and, you know, budgeting for that and also building a family as well? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's quite interesting. Like throughout, and even to this point, I've always had like a full-time job on the, well, I was going to say on the side, but I guess that is actually my main job. <laughs> um, I've always had a full-time job which I guess makes it a lot easier, right? I think it also puts a lot less stress on the process and you can enjoy the process. Um, it's definitely something where I wouldn't jump into this. I mean, I do have a co-founder as well, so we can split the time and the effort and the investment um, and also the risk as well, which made it, I think that was something that made us kind of take the step versus before when it was just me, it felt like a lot resting on just my shoulders if it failed. That That's always been easy because it's like, you have the safety of the full-time job, um, and this still ends up being a passion project versus quitting the job and going all in on this and then being really stressed and it just takes the enjoyment and the fun out of it. And then you're really just trying to sell versus trying to create a brand and be consistent and create a community. I think it's really interesting, right? Because the change would be so rapid working in, you know, big corporate, obviously, um, like Google, and then moving to a smaller organization like Inside Timer. And now also doing this side hustle. A, where do you, what, what's the fine line between balancing A, your lifestyle, but also essentially being a co-founder, owning your own business, right? You've got responsibilities now. So life would be completely different. I'm curious what that balance looks like today. Yes, very good question. I think, to be honest, I don't feel like I've mastered that balance. And I feel like most people that are juggling a few different things, it's very hard to master it. I think I try to like wishful thinking at the start of the week, I will try to allocate time and be like, okay, this is obviously when I'm working. I've got stuff before or after work here. So I'm going to use the weekends or like after work. Um, but it just never ends up like that. I'm sure you ladies have the same with the podcast. Like it just ends up kind of interweaving um, between each other. Yeah, pretty much. Like I think that that's, I, I think it goes back to your first point around um, 
like having the mind space to even start something like this. We kind of need to get off that hamster wheel and find space for ourselves to, to even consider investing time to start this. You mentioned also your co-founder a lot. Do you think you would have been able to do this had you not had a co-founder? If you had done this solo, do you think you would have been able to launch the same rate or was it really beneficial having someone there to, on the journey with you? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I think I I probably would have eventually, probably not as quickly as I as we did launch and create the Dharma store. Um, I'm just like very business minded in that in that sense, and I'm very passionate about creating ideas and building on them and like that whole process. So I definitely think I would have done it eventually. But yeah, that's probably the biggest piece of advice for things is if you have a co-founder who you work really well with, you have like either the similar working style or like complementary working styles. It just makes it a lot easier. And I think for something that's new and different, like it's also nice to spread the risk and then know that you're both in it together. And mm. I definitely seem to do better like soundboarding off people and brainstorming. And I think that's where it's nice to have like a partnership because we can do that with one another and we can kind of check our ideas and you have someone to kind of check everything that you do and vice versa. So yeah, it's really good when you're first starting out, especially if you're too scared to kind of take the leap by yourself. Yeah. And what what's the day in the life of a, um, a founder or co-founder like for you at the moment? And how do you divine conquer with your co-founder? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting, actually, because my co-founder and I are both in different states. So when I was obviously living in Sydney, it was much easier. Um, it has its perks for sure. Like for instance, at the moment, there's like railway dramas and you can't really ship anything to and from Perth without it taking like a month. Um, so it's handy in that sense that she can take a lot of the load. She has like a portion of the stock so she can sort of cover me and send out those orders. Um, but it's also tricky as well when you divide things in half, because it's hard to kind of work out. I don't know. It can be tricky where you're like, okay, we're both putting in 50% or as you know, some weeks am I doing more and then, you know, other weeks, for instance, like for my wedding, I basically did a, like quite a bit beforehand and then I just took sort of three, four weeks off and then Jen just completely took the reins and did everything, posting, um, you know, picking and packing, shipping out orders, which we do ourselves from our houses currently. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's probably like the best, like the best part of it, I would say. I'm going to ask a left field question, but who do you think you're closer to, your co-founder or your husband? <laughs> <laughs> You might be spending oh. more time with Anna, right? The dog. <laughs> Jeffrey. The dog. Yeah, it's Jeffrey. It's my dog. Um, yeah, no, funny question. It def definitely has to be Jake. I feel like Jake still hears, like Jake is like an unofficial CEO founder of Dharma Store because he's heard every little thing. He's tested every single product. Um, he probably knows more than me at this point because of everything I tell him. <laughs> but Yes, Jen and I have spent many, many hours just talking about everything to do with like the business and where we want to take it and what we want to do. Nice. That huh? was a that was a trick question you passed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you and Jen also decide on like the vision as well? Because you obviously might have different ideas, but how do you usually come together and decide on the direction to go yeah I mean we we did most of that while we were working together which was quite handy and I think the reason we work so well is because we're just super aligned with our ideas like every time like we sampled a few different well-being products before we landed on our eye masks because we needed something that could stand alone and was special and wasn't something that was being sold at like 14 other places 
to be honest, maybe it's a rare case, but we don't disagree on many things. Like we're pretty aligned with a lot of the big decisions about what to name it, where we want to take it. Um, I think something really interesting, like we're definitely at a crossroads at the moment where we're thinking about the fact that they are a single use product currently and sustainability is quite important to us. Um, and you know, we, I guess we have differing ideas as to when we maybe want to evolve it to be more sustainable. And I think when we get to that point where we're in different places, we just try and take it back to like the logistics and just the facts of it all. Like, where are we at? How much money do we have that we could invest? Is it wise to make big changes now? Do we want to wait till we sell all of our stock? And we just kind of go through like the facts of it all. And that normally sort of takes the emotion out of the decision. And then it's really like a business decision versus like going with someone's opinion. Um, Cause that's hard, right? Because then you can feel like, Oh, why, you know, why do we decide this way? Because then I don't get what I want. So that's yeah. probably the, what we do the most. And you probably have to balance sustainability with revenue generating activities, right? Like, okay, yes, they're single use, but if we make them use times 10 before someone actually purchases another one, then it's, you're not re really getting that um, recurring revenue from customers. I would appreciate that you probably have to work out a really fine balance between that. Mm. Yeah, totally. And I think that that is the balance. And I think the, like the profitability side of things and also the fact that like, we want these to be like flexibly used, right? It's like the, the, the whole fact of them is they can heat up on their own. Even if you're like 40,000 feet in the air and you just, you don't have a microwave to like heat up by mask itself. So yeah, definitely things that we all consider. Yeah. I, the other thing also, Sarah, that I thought you did quite well is that you teed up the launch, like in my view, as a bystander quite successfully you you had a soft launch but you already had organizations or other other streams of customers that weren't just um, b2c lined up I, i'd love to understand like what your thought process was in terms of how you would you diversified your customer base to launch yeah and it, it's quite interesting like with our launch it was like I don't know. I like to do things all at like the same time. I think it was like a month before the wedding, my wedding. I just love to have it all, all that pressure all at once. Um, but I think, yeah, it was, it was the timing of it. Like, yeah, my, my co-founder Jen had been in Europe celebrating her 30th, like the month before. And then the month after was the wedding. So we're like, this is our, our window. Like we actually, it was advice that I was given from one of my friends who was starting her e-commerce business at the same time. And I have a few friends in the beauty industry that work as trainers um, for like well-being like spas and as therapists. And a few people said that they thought it would be a great idea. Like it would be really popular um, as, as like a wholesale product. And that's mm. something where I think we put it out there. Like there's, and this is probably a good tip for anyone that's doing e-com where there's like, there could be like a B2B channel. Um, there are heaps of like wholesale, like groups on Facebook where they're all small business owners that maybe have like a shop with a collection of things and they're always looking for new products. So I think we thought um, just before launch, we were like, wouldn't it be great if we kind of had that validation that we could say, oh, we're also stocked in, you know, X, Y, Z, like these three shops and these three beauty salons. So we did a post on one of those groups and I think we got like 80 or 90 um, responses of people being like, I'm interested. Uh, obviously we knew that we wouldn't convert all of those, but we converted a good chunk of them. Um, and we were amazed. Like we had people ordering like 30, 40 boxes worth um, and obviously with wholesale, it is discounted. It's normally like 40 to 50% off like recommended retail price. So you do take obviously a little bit more of a hit in terms of your profitability, but it was just great validation for us. And it was nice to clear some of the stock and know that we had that channel. 
And I think for beauty businesses, we actually realized it's a lot more popular for that. I think salons and things use it as an add-on. So if you're having a massage or a treatment, they kind of flip you over and they do your front, they'll put it on as an added added sort of like experience. Yeah. Um, so that was great for us. And I think that gave us then the confidence to go into B2C and it gave us a little cash injection as well, where we weren't starting from like $0 in the bank account. Um, yeah, we had like a good chunk of money from the wholesale orders, which was great. You mentioned really briefly there about the support network. Um, I'm actually really curious, right? Because you went from working at a really big corporation, um, with a team around you and, you know, like in these big companies, there's so many resources you can tap into and then going into a business where it's just you and your co-founder and Jake, your husband, as like, you know, another person to kind of lend an ear. Um, how do you get, like, where do you get support from, like mentally, financially, mm -hmm. anything? Yeah, I think, I think one of the biggest things, well, I mean, my background, like I worked as a digital strategist, so I'd worked with a bunch of like e-commerce businesses, like working on their business strategy, like how they scaled up their income with like Google ads, et cetera. Um, so that was, I think, great validation to kind of understand like, okay, I know what businesses work really well and have really high ROI and what don't. Um, so that was, I think, a great foundation. And then there's things like I mentioned, like the founder course. Um, there's heaps as well, like like-minded bitches as well. Like, I don't know if you ladies are part of that Facebook community. Like that's an amazing business like community. Um, so a lot of it was just research, like learning, like absorbing as much information as possible and then just trying to sort of make it work and, you know, apply a lot of the learnings to our business. Um, and I also just seem to have a lot of people that I, well, I've now surrounded myself with a lot of business owners, um, themselves. And I think that's quite handy. It, it can be really tricky when you're in a nine to five role and you know that you want to eventually just have your own business and run, run your own show but you're only surrounded by people that are in nine to five, it can feel really far away, especially if you don't have family or friends that have worked for themselves. So that was quite mm. a conscious decision on my part was to join a few different communities and yeah, make new friendships with people that were going through the same struggles and we could kind of, you know, soundboard and brainstorm together. That's brilliant. I love that. I think that's something that we uh, probably could definitely take that some of those tips and yeah. you know put into action for our own side hustle as well yeah being an owner founder can be a lonely journey yeah so and it's good that you know sarah's got yeah. a co-founder right but on the flip side if i can ask this is just something that i'm very curious about as well is are you feeling fulfilled i feel like 100 percent more fulfilled than i did before and I think I, like my, my overall goal is to work for myself. I think I just no longer want to trade like time for money, right? Like I trade 40 hours minimum a week for a certain amount of money. Um, I want to be able to have my own business, like have my, you know, creative ideas, execute them. And I want to have like multiple income streams, ladies, like on TikTok, right? You need to have six streams of income to be a millionaire. So <laughs> you're not going to get that working in your nine to five. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I'm on the path to, I don't think you can ever be like a hundred percent fulfilled just from jobs and like side hustle or like your business. Like, I think a lot of it comes from internally and how you're feeling and how your whole life, like if you feel balanced, like how everything else aligns, not just like career wise, but I feel much more like I think about it and I'm much more happier and I feel a lot more grateful now because I've kind of stepped out of what I thought I should do. And I've stepped into like what I actually wanted to do. Um, yeah. and it feels much better. <laughs> I, I know you mentioned before, you are not big on KPIs and metrics, but how do you measure your own success now? Um, you know, when you step away from the corporate world where you do performance reviews and, you know, like 
all things like that. And now you're on your own. So how do you measure success? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. Like with, from a Dharma store point of view, we still have, you know, our own little KPIs or goals that we would like to hit, especially, especially in terms of like making back our initial investment and the time frame of that. Um, for myself, I think when I, I measure it, like I still have KPIs. I'm still very extremely career driven and like very goal oriented, but I feel like it's very different now where I don't associate like hitting the KPI with whether I'm like successful or not, if that makes sense. Like now my KPI is actually like, do I, am I happy in my job that I do? Like, does it give me like the time and the finance to actually do everything else that I want to do? Like, do I feel balanced in my life? Like, am I, do I have enough like social interaction? Like, do I have hobbies outside of my job that fulfill me and make me feel a lot more balanced? Like, am I looking after my mental health? Like that to me, if those are all like ticking along and are all like eight out of 10, like that to me is actually the benchmark of like my KPI, right? Like if I'm feeling like successful or happy, um, cause I could like, you could perform so well in a role, but just be like completely depressed. Right. So it's, yeah, I just mm. kind of changed it a little bit. And I also mm. think performance reviews and things like, it's like 70% performance and 30% like politics and who, you know, and who you're talking to. So, uh, you know, as, as you would all know. So yeah, I just think I kind of taken back that power and just kept it like based off me and what I'm doing. And that's how I kind of work it out. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so I guess like, what can we expect from Sarah next? Like, what do you have your eye set on as the next thing you want to do? Yeah. Well, I want to like, I kind of see like my vision of like my businesses and work like a little bit differently now. I think for ages I was like, like I'm just very multi-passionate and I do like to have two or three things on the go. I think that just makes my brain much happier when I'm just doing one thing and the same thing over and over again. Like I get bored really easily and that's when I start like jumping, jumping, jumping. And yeah, when I think about all the richest people, ladies, I'm like, they don't, you know, Elon Musk, well, Elon Musk has, you know, SpaceX, he's got Tesla, he's got Twitter now. Like everyone has a few different income sources and a few different projects they're working on, like not just the one thing and putting all their eggs in the one basket. So yeah, spread the risk, right? It's like having like a table instead of having one leg. And if that leg gets taken, the table falls, right? If you have five or six legs, you can take them periodically and you're still fine and the table's still good. Like I want to be the table yeah. with five or six legs. So um, each leg is like one stream of income. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, from an e-commerce point of view, we want to obviously keep Dharma store rolling. We obviously both, yeah, have like pretty full on jobs at the moment. Jen also just started a new job um, recently. So we, we put as much time and effort as we can into that. But specifically for me, my next goal is I think to take more of the marketing strategy operations, like skill set I have and, have like run more of a service-based business and work for myself eventually. Um, and then as Karen knows, cause we discussed, cause maybe she'll be a potential investor. <laughs> I, <laughs> my long-term goal since like moving back to Perth, which is where I'm from is to have like a, like a brick and mortar, like wellness studio. So kind of like Nimbus mm -hmm. and Co or like Rimba Sweat. That's very much about like health wellness. Like you kind of walk out feeling much better than when you walked in. How interesting. So like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. KP and I have been talking about doing yoga retreat slash like wellness <laughs> retreat. And now we have a location in, in Perth. Yeah. There, there we go. go. Yeah. Where is it? Oh my gosh. Can you tell me? Your I, place. I like it's at your place. 
Oh, perfect. I've got two spare rooms. I've got a nice backyard for yoga. <laughs> no, we, we're waiting for you to open the wellness center so we can actually run our yes. retreat out of it. The wellness center. That would be oh, brilliant. That would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll get yeah. started on it so that we can host your retreats. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'll definitely look at investing. Um, yeah, I learned so much actually just then from you, Sarah. Just for our listeners, do you have any like last piece of advice for them if they are thinking about doing a side hustle? What's something that they that you wish you knew before you started? I think there's a few things. I think the the biggest thing is like make sure it's something you're passionate about, like you actually enjoy the product or the business or the brand that you're building. Um, the ones that fizzled out for me are the ones where I kind of identified a gap in the market and thought, oh, this is like a good money maker because it's just like not sustainable, right? Because that, that, that short-term passion will like fizzle out quicker <laughs> than you probably think. And then you'll just be stuck and you won't know what to do. So I think being very, especially if it's drop shipping, probably like a little bit of a different story, but if you're wanting to create your own brand and build it and introduce new products, definitely kind of thinking about your values and your passions and what you think your purpose is and making sure it aligns like the business aligns to that. Um, and then the second thing is probably for, for like a product-based business is just like doing your research, like doing research on like margins, on cost, on shipping, like sampling, like 10, 20 different things. Obviously it's a bit more of an investment, but it's much better to do that than kind of go with the first person that you see or the first like two people that you engage with um and then getting like a big shipment of stock that's damaged or like you know it wasn't to the the quality level that you thought so research is a huge one actually um something that we actually haven't touched on um how long did it take you from the conception of dharma store to actually getting it up and running it was probably i'm just trying to, i feel like the the original like chats about like oh should we start a little business together um, we're probably like a year and a half ago. I'm trying to think of timing, maybe like a year and a half ago. Um, and then we probably spent like a good eight or nine months talking with suppliers, ordering samples, obviously waiting for the samples to come, which can take like a good few weeks. Um, like giving feedback on those. Yeah, probably eight or nine months. And then specifically once we found our manufacturer for our products for Dharma store, that was also probably yeah, out of that eight or nine months, it was probably like four or five months of going back and forth, different samples, testing different essential oils, scents, design, everything, packaging. Um, yeah, about four or five months. It, it does take a lot of blood, sweat and tears. I just have to say thank you so much for your time today, Sarah, and sharing all those like nuggets of wisdom. I believe you have a surprise for our listeners. Oh, yes. Yeah, did you want to fill us in on what that is? If anyone does want to try them, um, we have a little sneaky discount code, which is LTIO15, which is 15% off your first order. Yeah. At the Dharma store. Do you have a website? It's dharmastore.co. Yeah, yes. we'll put it in the show notes. And um, highly recommend if you're having a little bit of trouble sleeping at night or you just feel like, you know, getting a bit relaxed, I highly recommend it. It just really mellowed me out. Yeah. I'm about it. to use a discount right now. <laughs> use, yes. use a feedback right here for you, a happy customer. Yeah. And also make sure yes. you follow um, the Dharma store in, on Instagram as well and give them a like. Any support to our small businesses 
I really greatly appreciate it. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. And once again, to our listeners, if you loved this episode, please leave us a comment on social media. Rate five stars only. <laughs> Subscribe and yeah, share our podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. And you're listening to Let's, Let's Take, Take It, it Offline. Off